0: Welcome to the Exercise is for Everyone podcast, where we talk about all things related to exercise, regardless of having limitations or not. Our guests provide information, insight, and inspiration to get you moving and keep you going. My name is Wendy Kleinke, and I am your host. So let's get started. Welcome. I am so excited. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we have Linda Lippin, who is an expert in Pilates. Linda has over 30 years of experience working um, one-on-one with clients and in group settings. She has worked with several celebrities, and she's worked in the online space with Pilates for well over a decade. I'm really excited. Linda's going to talk to us about a few different things um, and teach us a little bit about the different modes of Pilates, kind of some of the history, um, the differences between using a video versus, you know, an expert, and the different specialties and niches that fall within Pilates. So, Linda, welcome. Thank you so much for taking some time to speak with us today. I'm I'm really excited for the education you're going to provide us and um, just to hear about your experience.
1: Thanks so much, Wendy. I'm really glad to be here.
0: So, would you like to start by telling us a little bit about how Pilates, is, like, what is Pilates? You know, how is it different from from yoga? Who does Pilates? Where do you do Pilates at? Okay.
1: So, basically, Pilates is a form of resistance exercise. Um, Pilates was developed by an actual human being named Joseph Pilates. <laughs> Because a lot of people don't know that. They're like, where did that name even come from? And he actually called his exercise method Contrology.
0: Oh. and I Yes.
1: And I think that name Contrology actually says a little bit more about, gives us a few clues, right, about what Pilates might be about, <laughs> as opposed to just the name. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, I did know that Pilates was – like named after the founder of it, but I did not know that he called it something different. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, so he called it Contrology. He actually started developing the exercises um, when he was interned by the British. He was a German living in Britain during the First World War. And Britain interned all of the enemy aliens um, on the Isle of Man for the entire war And up until Germany made its first reparations payments, which took a little while because they didn't have a lot of cash left after they lost the first war. Um, So Joseph Pilates at that point was really looking for ways um, to get everyone to exercise uh, that you could do in a small space (laughs) and that didn't require any equipment. And that's where he developed the Pilates mat. And the original Pilates mat work, because we do have like videos of him teaching in New York City. We do have videos of him teaching, um, at Jacob's Pillow, you know, up in Beckett. There that he taught a pretty full on exercise program that started out with standing work, with standing squats, with jumping jacks, with. You know, different punches with high knees, with butt kicks. You know, with all of the kind of standard fitnessy warm ups, um, dynamic warm ups. Then move down to what we would you know know as like the Joseph Pilates mat work, right? The hundred and the roll up and those exercises. Um, And then would end again in standing with things like squats and push ups and (laughs) and all kinds of you know really dynamic strength moves. So. You know, his workout was actually a full body workout that gave you both cardio and strength work.
0: Absolutely. So can you tell me a little bit, you've been doing this for over 30 years. How did Pilates come to your life?
1: So Pilates came to my life when I was an undergraduate at um, SUNY Purchase, which is now known as Purchase College up in Westchester. And Purchase has a big dance department because it is, you know, half of a, it's a fine art school alongside a um, arts and, and a humanities and science. So when I was in my junior year, I was in student government. And at that point in the eighties, student government was funding the Pilates studio. And they would come <laughs> in and talk to me about these these weird pieces of equipment they were building and the mat classes and the whatever. And, you know, prices were really low for students because, of, because we, we were funding it. So it was partly covered under our student activity fees. So I started going in to basically see what they were talking about. And I loved it. I loved it. It made me feel really good. Um, I had danced, done a lot of ballet as a kid, and my knees were kind of shot from that. And Pilates gave me this way of doing a lot of strength work while still working on my flexibility. Um, So, you know, there were things I was really good at, like hamstring stretches and leg circles. But when it came to, you know, doing hanging pull-ups off the bar at the end of that class, (laughs) that was a little much for me. Um, But I grew into that strength you know, because that's how you get stronger, right? By doing it. Absolutely. And I, you know, really loved it. Um, I continued doing it uh, through graduation, through my senior year. Uh, The following September, I moved to Philadelphia. I entered into a PhD philosophy program at Temple. And while I was there, there was an ad and I had an assistantship, uh, you know, at the university But I still needed a little bit of extra money. And there was an ad in the Free City paper that said part-time Pilates instructors wanted, exercise instructors wanted Pilates background preferred. And I thought, I bet you nobody else applies who even knows Pilates. And that was before, you know, that was pre-certification. Okay. There were no certifications then.
0: So so it sounds like the opportunity just kind of presented itself to you.
1: It did. And I took that opportunity and I ended up teaching with a wonderful mentor by the name of Karen Carlson, who's now been teaching for probably close to 50 years. She's still in Philly. Um, And I got to work alongside with her. Then I was a founding member of the Institute for the Pilates Method, which became the Physical Mind Institute. And... Um, received, you know, certification from them very early on in, in their history, and now I'm a master teacher at Real Pilates here in Manhattan.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. So, so it's so really
1: been a journey.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it seems like it's it's really a, a wonderful passion of yours. Um,
1: it's one of the most consistent. Uh, systems, exercise systems that I found that is moldable and variable and modifiable enough that you can pretty much, anyone can do it. I've worked with people in stroke rehab. I've worked with people with MS and Parkinson's. Um, I've worked with folks with, you know, disc herniations, with rotator cuff injuries, with all kinds of stuff. It makes them feel better
0: you had mentioned that they were building equipment when you were in school. And I know that sometimes people associate Pilates with equipment, like they have to go to a studio because it's expensive, there's expensive equipment. Can you touch on, you know, equipment versus non-equipment and, you know, kind of like the different methods of Pilates? I can. Um,
1: So within the we always say in classical Pilates, so first let's talk about that for one second. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there are there's a classical versus contemporary Pilates uh, thing that happened a number of years ago. And basically it kind of pitted the folks who teach Pilates pretty much the way Joseph Pilates taught it exactly with Folks who have developed new ways of teaching since then, where they've changed exercises, where they've changed the dimensions of the apparatus in the studios, where they've changed the strength and length of the springs in the studios. Um, and for me, uh, my business model kind of goes beyond that, that separation. Because A, I'm a classical Pilates teacher, but I've also taught a lot of, cla- of contemporary Pilates as well. <laughs> um, so I appreciate it all. But really what all camps agree on is that Pilates is a system. So if you really, really want to kind of learn Pilates, to learn Pilates, it's important to learn it on all of the equipment. And the reason for that is that the spring-based apparatus helps assist the body in learning even the floor exercises. So this doesn't mean you can't learn the floor exercises on by themselves, because you can. But sometimes people are like, oh, this is so hard. And I'm like, right, if we were doing this, say, on the Pilates Universal Reformer right now, your feet would be in straps and you would have some assistance, right, as well as resistance. And people will be like, oh, yeah, (laughs) I could tell that could be a thing. Now, can we kind of play with that in in a home-based scenario through creative use of bands and tubes and you know, things like that. Yes, we can. But, you know, Joseph Pilates had a, an engineering background. So when he developed his apparatus, the spring resistance, the angles of, you know, where straps are in relationship to, to the moving parts um, matters. And what happened a lot in contemporary Pilates was that they moved the Pilates system into much more rehabilitative environments that then required, say, lighter springs, or adjustable length straps, or, you know, (laughs) or something bigger, and so they completely changed, you know, the apparatus. So there's several large pieces of Pilates apparatus that any studio will have, although, you know, they may look a little bit different depending on the manufacturer, Uh, but most studios have a universal reformer, right? Okay. Most studios have a tower or a Cadillac, which looks like a big four-poster bed with springs and hooks attached to it. Um, and most studios will have a chair. And basically, you know, the, the chair kind of looks like a little stool, but has a pedal on it that has springs that attach to it. So all of the apparatus involves springs for resistance. It's all large, it all costs a few thousand dollars, and that's why, you know, while while I do have some clients who have apparatus at home, uh, most folks don't, and will go to a studio to kind of learn the whole system. That said, there's still a lot of valuable work to be done with a mat, <laughs> and on the mat for Pilates. Um, there's also small equipment that Joseph Pilates invented, like the magic circle or the Pilates ring or the Pilates circle. Right? I mean, there's several names for it if you go, you know, onto Amazon right now, but they're they're all the same thing, which is basically a resistance ring with two padded pieces, two padded pieces on the outside.
0: It sounds like what you're telling me is that it it might be good to have a combination of both in-studio and home workouts.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, in the the best of all possible worlds, folks would do both. Um, They would have their mat work that they could do in between, that they could do on their own when they're traveling. And then they would have the apparatus to kind of come back to for either learning new exercises or to just get a different kind of workout.
0: Got it. Can you speak a little bit about um, the mat work and the equipment-free workouts? So, you know, or the the small equipment that you would maybe travel with. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how, how that kind of looks? I know that there's several postures that are very similar to yoga postures, but they actually take on a totally different element. Um, and I just know that as a fitness professional who's done both yoga and Pilates, can you talk to, you know, maybe a beginner who who may have never tried either one of them about how they're different?
1: Sure. Um, you know, at a base level, even though in the United States and in the Western world, we've kind of separated yoga from its spiritual roots. Um, yoga is a spiritual practice, right? <laughs> yeah. Yoga is a religious-based practice, and we have kind of taken the the fitness route of that, and kind of put you know all the the spiritual piece of it aside. Um, and you know, as somebody who's also practiced plenty of yoga, you know, I do find that that is a difference because. In yoga, you're looking at more breath work, you're looking at more opening of different, you know, chakras and different areas of the body. Um, And in Pilates, we're looking at exercise. (laughs) So Pilates was developed as exercise. He Joseph Pilates talks about the connection between mind and body, but more almost in the—I'll um, I'll go back to my philosophy background now—in the Socratic or, or or Platonic sense, in the fact that you know if you don't take care of your body, then you're going to have a hard time being comfortable enough to really use your mind to its full potential, right? But right. if you're going to do things with your body, you should also be using your mind at the same time to focus on things and really pay attention to what you're doing so that you do things correctly and don't hurt yourself. Right. Um, so that's really, you know, what what Joseph Pilates wanted. And what he wanted was for people to have good circulation. What he wanted was for People to have balanced strength, so that you know the fronts, backs, inside, inside, outside of all the joints and all parts of their body were evenly strong and flexible. Um, and what he wanted was people to be able to move as much as they could. So you know he has a lot of outdoor-based exercises. Um, there's a whole series called rowing right? There's swimming on the mat. There's jackknife diving. (laughs) There's, you know, Pilates uh, standing footwork, which is basically a series of squats and calf work. There's the standing work. That's all about ankle mobility. I mean, you know, and calf strength, like that's the kind of stuff that, that he was really working on. So his focus was on strength and mobility. His focus was not on anything else. So his breath work, he was asthmatic as a kid. So he was very interested in being able to take a deep breath. The breath work in yoga is very, has a very different focus than the breath oh, work man. in Pilates, right? Oh, yeah. um, and in Pilates, he, he even, you know, because I've, I've worked with different, uh, different teachers who studied directly with Joe, and you know they all have a different kind of version of breathing that he would give them because he would teach to the clients in front of him, so if somebody needed more work on inhaling, they got more inhaling. If they needed more work on getting the air out, they got more exhaling <laughs> if they hold their if they held their breath, sometimes he would be like, "Just breathe. I don't care when or where." I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting. It's like you know, a lot of folks come into Pilates and they associate it only with dancers, right? But Joseph Pilate's original group of clientele, even when he got to the states, was boxers. Really? Yes, because the his you know the folks who sponsored him to come over from Germany at, between the wars. Um, What one of them was Nat Fleischer, the boxing promoter.
0: Now that's, now that's interesting.
1: Yeah. So his background was not, you know, his background was exercise period end of discussion. And when he was interned in, in the Nakalo camp on the Isle of Man, which was all men, by the way, the, the British did not intern, did not um, imprison women and children in the internment camp. Um, He was like, you know, these guys got to (laughs) exercise. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they had the influ— They had the Spanish flu epidemic coming through. Like there was a lot going on. Then they started bringing war wounded in. And he was like, we just all need to keep exercising or we're going to either just go off the deep end and be deconditioned. (laughs) And none of this is good for anybody.
0: So what do you think that he would say to people now in the middle of this pandemic?
1: He would say, you know, something, there's exercises you can do at home. I did them in the camp. <laughs> you can do them in your living room. Um, you know, there's the mat is a series of thir- the classical mat without any variations. Okay. Without any bands, without any, anything is 34 exercises.
0: Like there's yeah, a lot
1: there's there's a lot lot of kind of food for thought there
0: <laughs> to work you really with get every part of your whole body on a mat
1: you can and then you know I always will add for my clients who are working at home we do work against the wall there's a whole series of wall squats of wall roll downs, wall push ups you know arm circles things things like that there's a whole standing arm series done with. Um, hand weights that's, you know, within classical Pilates, again, not even moving out of that realm. There's a lot of standing work that he did with springs that we might do in the studio off of a tower or a spring wall or a Cadillac, but you can mimic that with a wall anchor and a band or tubing at home. Oh. So, yeah, so there's a lot that um I you know, I teach my clients right now, I mean I'm in New York where studios haven't really opened yet. Um, so I've been teaching my clients in from my living room in their homes on Zoom. And they are perfectly happy with having bands, tubing, some hand waves, a magic circle, and a good mat.
0: So you've been teaching people online for basically about a decade. What would you say to somebody who is passionate about Pilates and would like to move from the studio to online? I mean, you've obviously done it very successfully. What would you say to some of those fitness professionals who might want to make that move?
1: I say you you need to go for it, but we need to you need to be strategic about how you approach it. So what I see kind of everybody doing right now is offering kind of generic math classes online. Mm-hmm. The problem now is everybody's doing that, so you can now go online and work you know for twenty five dollars on Zoom with some of the most famous Pilates teachers you know, names people know. Now, if you're somebody that, you know, your clients know, but maybe nobody else does, (laughs) just throwing your math classes out into the void of social media is not going to be extraordinarily helpful. So what I find helps the most with, you know, fellow fitness professionals and my Pilates teacher clients, who I'm kind of coaching through this now, is developing kind of targeted programs for people. And that's right now what I encourage even clients to look for in a teacher, right? Is, is this a teacher who really knows how to work with you if you have osteoporosis or low bone density? Is this a teacher who really does programs for folks with lower back pain, right? Or neck and shoulder problems or postural problems is, you know, who am I working with? And I think that from the fitness professional side, you need to be willing, especially now, right, Wendy? We need to niche down. We need to find our people who we most like working with. And sometimes in a studio or gym environment, we just work with whatever clients show up.
0: Well, and the problem with that too is you're not going to get the same kind of results if you're just working with just anybody, you know, um, no, you're not. Yeah. I, and you know, we, we might have the education to help, you know, the general population, but it's much more in my experience anyways, it's much more rewarding and satisfying to get people the results that are going to make a difference in their life. Like it, I find that they work harder. They're, they're more engaged and involved, when you're working on a goal that is very tailored to what they
1: need. Definitely, Um, and especially for new exercisers. You know, I've been, um, I've spent the past few days looking at a lot of my teacher clients' testimonials, right, from their clients. mm -hmm. And for a lot of them, a common thread, and I think this is kind of important for, for Pilates generally, is the common thread is, you know, I'm a corporate executive, I've been very successful, I'm about to retire, I was a nerd in school, I was always the last kid picked for the team in gym class, but suddenly I knew that I needed to do something, like I didn't just want to retire and not be able to move, and I didn't think that I could find any kind of long-term solution that I could stick with that would work for me, and I found it in Pilates.
0: And that's across the board with all of your, your. Yeah.
1: And it's also across the board with a lot of my clients who, you know, even though a lot of them come to me after they've seen other Pilates teachers, that their originary kind of Pilates story is exactly that. It's, I didn't think I could like exercise. I didn't ever feel like I would be successful at exercise. Um, I always thought because I had this limitation that I wouldn't be able to do anything or follow through. And guess what? I found it in Pilates. And part of it is that, you know, we can break Pilates down into such small, we call them pre Pilates fundamental exercises that they're, they almost seem too easy. Even though they're not, they all have a purpose. Um, And then kind of pull those small fundamental things together into the bigger Pilates exercises and people see benefits. I have a private client that recently, um, just this past month, moved up from two sessions a week to three sessions a week. And she is somebody who I used to see in the studio. Um, And I've been Zooming with her, you know, since mid-March. And the other day, she looked at me and she said, was this session easier because it didn't feel as hard? And I looked at her and I was like, okay, we went up in your Mm -hmm. (laughs) weights. We did extra bridging variations. We did all the hard things. We went up in repetition and things where we didn't go up in weight. Um, but no, your volume was way up. And I looked at her and I said, I think it's because you're, you're doing three days a week. Oh, sure. And she said, I think you're right. And I think I'm going to keep doing three days a week.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Okay. But,
1: you know, because people see the effects. So I think, you know, if people are willing to try it and try it with a certified teacher, if you're trying Pilates for the first time, especially online, do it. At least one session with somebody who has a lot of experience and a good eye. It's going to cost you a little bit more at first, but knowing the difference between doing something correctly and not is is huge. And it'll give you an idea of what you're looking for in a teacher.
0: And really, I think that it's very beneficial because there's a lot of like those controlled exercises where form is really important and just shifting a, a little tiny angle can make a really big difference, like when it comes to like dropping your tailbone and or or tucking in your tailbone. And people use different terminologies for that, but it makes a, a very big difference on in the integrity of the move. And you're just not gonna get that when you're doing a live video or when you're doing a recorded video. So I I can totally understand why you would suggest that. Um, What are some other differences that you might say would contribute to why you might want to hire a, you know, an expert, at least for a couple of sessions?
1: I think, you know, number one to just kind of learn the exercises and feel out what you're doing, even though some of the exercises are very similar you know, to exercises we do in yoga or in fitness or, you know, wherever, um, they all, there's always a particular way that we want you to work in a Pilates session. Um, So, you know, at base level, just learning that and knowing that you're doing it correctly. The second reason is, especially as you kind of move up in Pilates and you're looking at more of the intermediate to advanced work, there is stuff in there that needs to be modified for folks with different, you know, back issues or neck issues, and also exercises where you want to learn how to do them properly because you could hurt yourself, right? Or my wedding's coming up, I'm wearing strapless, let's get the arms and and, and the wings, Right. right. Pulled back in and toned. And in that situation, you're like, all right, I've got 14 weeks and I'm going to get this done. And we create even unconsciously, you know, an appropriate program for that. So I'm encouraging teachers to start to think in terms of programs where they can really start to talk to their ideal clients and create goal oriented programs. You know, let's Do something in six weeks that's going to help your back pain and improve your golf game, even when you can't be out there every day. Right. And Um, the same
0: thing for a consumer who might be wanting to kind of stick their toe in the water. They should absolutely be thinking about what kind of problems they have and start looking for that professional to solve them.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And there are, you know, there are a lot of great programs out there. There really are, and a lot of great teachers out there. And that's, you know, the first thing I'll say to people is, like, the first go on Google and just search out what you need.
0: Right. You know, are you looking for back
1: pain? Are you looking for you know, Like, what are you looking for? Um, and then those are the questions that you need to be asking the Pilates professional, and making sure you know that you get appropriate answers. Like, I um, I, I kind of laugh about it. But may, about a year and a half ago, I got a request for a consult off my website, and I I'm on the phone with this woman. You know, she was brand new to me, and she said I found your website because I was searching for Diastasis Recti and Pilates, you know, near Brooklyn, and you came up because you're right over in Tribeca. And she was an attorney. She is an attorney, and she said to me. So can I, can we heal and cure my diastasis through Pilates? And I was like, no, can we help it? Can we get you as strong as possible and get you pulled together enough so that your back's not hurting and your pelvic floor is working fine and you're as pulled in as you're going to get that I can do, (laughs) but can I, heal your diastasis recti. No, a surgeon can do that. You know, if they cut you open and stitch it back together and, and I'm the teacher who she hired, right? Because, uh, because she had other teachers tell her that they could heal her diastasis through Pilates, which is just not a fact. And, you know, I think it's important that folks do I say to people, do your due diligence, do a little homework, Yeah, you know, pay attention to who you're about to kind of trust your body to. And by the same token, Pilates pros need to also be doing their homework and be reaching out to the clients who they can really help, you know, and not just taking whoever comes, even if they're not that comfortable in that space.
0: So as you are, you know, kind of a veteran in the industry, you know, with, with 30 years of experience in Pilates, I'm sure that you've worked with several different niches. Who do you work with now? Like what kind of person, like what kind of problems would a person have that would come to you? Like you, you mentioned the diastis recti. Is, is that the only kind
1: of person that you help right now? No, um, in, in terms of my actual Pilates teaching, um, I, I do tend to have a pretty, um, specific niche and it is, uh, primarily women over 45, I would say between 40, you know, 45 and 75 who, um, need to work out, who need to exercise, but who have enough, um, chronic pain or other issues that they need to be really careful about how they're doing it. Otherwise they're in more pain or injured.
0: I see. So So that's kind of my niche.
1: My pricing is relatively high. So, you know, I tend to, my, my clients tend to be higher, um, higher net worth demographic. That's also the neighborhood that I live in and that I work in, um, which is, you know, fine with me. (laughs) I don't have a problem with that. Um, But they are folks who could, you know, kind of work with anybody, really, um, in terms of money in terms of time. But what they want is a very specific eye on their workout. And with me, they don't get hurt. Right? They get an effective workout, and they don't get hurt. So whether it's osteoporosis, whether it's their bum knee or their back thing or their chronic shoulder thing, um, they know that I'm not going to hurt them, that they're going to get stronger, and that they're going to feel better.
0: It sounds like you are a modification expert as well as a Pilates expert. Oh, I am.
1: And I, I can do that in multiple places. You know, I, I go, I mean, I'm also a certified personal trainer, so I can work with folks through their gym programs as well. Um, And then on the other side of it, I coach Pilates teachers. um, And I coach Pilates teachers who are wanting to change their business model from a basically dollar for hour studio model, which is pretty much what people are picking up and just transporting into the online space.
0: Yeah. And that's not sustainable. I don't think just because there's such burnout in the dollar for hour model that you speak of in the industry in general, because of the hours that you put in and you end up working kind of from dawn till dusk around everybody else's schedule. So how do you help those trainers or those Pilates instructors? You just help them develop um, ways that they can deliver in different using different methods.
1: Yeah, so the one of the first things I typically do with all of my Pilates teacher clients is I have them raise their rates <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because most of them are willfully underpriced and undervalued, I mean, for the value that they're offering. Um, I don't work with a lot of brand new teachers. I work with teachers who have been teaching for a while um, and would like to continue teaching because it's their passion and it's what they love to do but are realizing that the business model that they were taught in their teacher training is not sustainable and not scalable. So I first work with them on even, you know, you know, even a small price increase. I mean, if you're teaching 40, 40 client hours a week, even 10 bucks an hour is going to give you, you know, another 1600 bucks a month.
0: Right.
1: Right. With, you know, without even a blinking in eyes. And for most folks, they spend that at Starbucks every day. So, you know, 10 bucks is not a big deal for most people. So we do that first. But then I start to have them look at other ways of niching down, finding their ideal clients. And then I work with them on developing kind of time delimited online programs. Um, We work through, you know, how to get, how to contact clients, how to find clients online, how to work with your specific niche online. Um, how, you know, how to price the program, how to deliver the program, how to launch the program. <laughs> so basically the whole thing. It's like business school, but specifically for Pilates teachers taught by a Pilates teacher who has made all of the mistakes one can make. Yeah. Um, and is still here.
0: <laughs> well, I think that that's amazing. And I think it's so needed right now. And I think it's wonderful that you, you're niching down into the Pilates teachers. It's just so needed with the way that, you know, the industry is changing and the, the need to go online, not just because of, you know, our inhibitions of delivering, but because consumers are now really seeing the value in online training. So exactly. Yeah, and it's a totally different ball game when you get online. And if you don't really have any guidance and you don't have anyone helping you, you can actually spend a lot more time working a lot harder than you ever did in the studio if you don't know what you're doing.
1: Right. And that's, that's the mistake that I see people making. And then, you know, and then I see them complaining about, you know, not making any money doing it or people not signing up for their classes. I mean, I try, you know... I tried doing just the online group class thing and it's the same thing for me because literally everybody's doing it. Yeah. So there's, you know, it's just frustrating because you like put your stuff out there and you, you know, you're going to teach a great class and it's all awesome. And then no one shows up. Right. And you're thinking sure. only 20 bucks. Why isn't anyone showing up like it's a class? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, to finally present teachers with, Hey, You don't have to do that anymore. Right. You don't have to do that anymore. Plus, I have a few established folks who have been doing workshops and things online who have groups of thousands of Pilates teachers but have never adequately monetized those groups
0: or monetized
1: their programs correctly to really show the value in what people are getting. And you know, for them just to have any kind of financial freedom is, is, it's just exciting. And you know, in the Pilates space, I've gotten three emails in the last three days from Pilates teachers who just got their real estate licenses. Hmm. Yeah. And and I'm like, okay, like you don't have to do that.
0: You know, it's funny to me because I I know people who have made that jump to real estate and I I don't understand it um why you would leave something that you're passionate about that you've you've spent, you know, a lot of you know, time, money, and energy into developing a career. Why would, why would you switch gears like that? Cause that's, I think so- that's
1: the thing, Wendy. I mean, come on. It's how much the Pilates certification programs, especially if you go through the, you know, the full system. So you're learning that and all the apparatus. I mean, you're talking $10,000, right? To so to have spent all that money and all of that time and all of that energy plus all the money Pilates teachers spend on continuing education. Yeah. To, and, and then to not have the clients to back that up or not be charging enough money so that you can comfortably, like, eat. Right. <laughs> and pay your rent is absolutely beyond me. And there are folks um, within the Pilates community, uh, teachers, who literally say, have said to me, um, we clearly don't jive because my focus is not on making money. And I'm like, but if you're a business, you should be producing income.
0: Well, you know, I, I spoke with someone earlier about how you can kind of balance that. So even if your focus is not about giving money or you're trying to help people who may not have a lot of money, there's definitely different ways that you can do that. So, you know, when, when you, like you said, when you're having a business, like it should be profitable, you know, you, you should be definitely, it should be profitable. You should be able to pay your rent and have some time freedom as well as financial freedom.
1: Oh, for Linda, sure.
0: If, Linda, if someone were listening and thought, geez, I could really use that help. What is the best way to get in touch with you, whether it's someone who might have that chronic pain that you're talking about and might need your expertise as an instructor or another Pilates instructor who is listening to what we're talking about and saying, geez, that would I would really love to continue with this. And it sounds like she could help me. What's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: So, the best way to get in touch with me is um, either shoot me an email. My email is my name. It's Linda at Lindalippin.com. <laughs> Spell just like my name. You can also go to my website at Lindalippin.com. And for Pilates teachers who might just want to dive into um, my content around uh, Pilates business, Pilates dot Lab.com. Has all of the info. Literally, you just enter your name and your email, and you have a link to the to my free group, and you're ready to roll.
0: That's fantastic, Linda. This has been such a fun conversation for me, just because you have so much knowledge, and you know, I I feel like we kind of agree on a lot of things that we were talking about. So it's it's been a really fun conversation for me. So I really want to just say thank you for you know taking the time to talk with me today. And, you know, educating people about Pilates and really encouraging the fitness professionals who are interested in Pilates to stick with it. Because I think it's a very rewarding um, experience. And it really brings, like you were talking about, like it's a it's a workout that anyone can do, exercises for everyone. And it's a great way that anyone can participate.
1: Definitely. And, you know, it's just so... Um, So effective and so useful and people really do feel the difference in how they feel and how they function, you know, which for me are the most important things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Are feeling good and functioning well. Um and you know, for Pilates teachers, uh, I think just owning that and kind of finding the value in what in what you do is huge.
0: Awesome. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you again, Linda, and um, we'll talk soon.
1: Thanks so much, Wendy. Have a great day. You too.
0: One more thing before you go. As a fitness professional, I have a great love of exercise and a passion that there always be a space for people to get together and enjoy the types of exercise that they love. If you're interested in learning tips and strategies to help you build a fitness community of your own, please join us on Facebook. We have a free group called the Lifted Community where we talk about these ideas. Just search the Lifted Community on Facebook. Looking forward to seeing you there.